welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is now the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Michael Clay, a recent patient at the Focal Therapy Clinic, who came to the clinic after having been placed on active surveillance at Torbay Hospital in South Devon. Michael's a 76-year-old retired banker who leads a very active life with his wife and family, which, despite his early stage cancer diagnosis, was being severely compromised by his treatment. He encounters several issues which he feels are really important for men to hear and understand before they make decisions about their own treatment for prostate cancer. And he's here today to discuss these. Michael, hello, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Hello, Claire, and thank you for inviting me. Wonderful. Well, why don't we start right in and, you know, share, you know, your story. I mean, if you can be kind of brief, but, you know, just kind of highlight um, your experience from when you were initially diagnosed to when you ultimately got treated with focal therapy. During my life, I always had my PSA taken and it was always in the mid-range. However, during the autumn of 2018 and through 2019, my PSA started to rise. And by 2020, it was just under the then max of 6.5. By June, it was just a little bit over that max again, 6.55. And so my uh, GP referred me to our local hospital who did a digital rectal examination that didn't prove anything and an MRI scan, the results of which were no cancer in the left, but we couldn't see the right duty or metal or metal sports hip. So just to be sure, let's do some biopsies. So biopsies were taken and amazingly, the results came back saying they'd found cancer in the left. It was low grade, Gleason score six, and I was to be put on active surveillance without any further discussion. Gosh, I was really worried. Uh, There was no willingness from the hospital for discussion, but I do accept that we were in the middle of a COVID pandemic and maybe that was the reason. My concern was why was my MRI on the left clear and yet the biopsy showed cancer on the left? I started thinking, could I have missed something or could they have missed something? So um, can I just interrupt really quickly? You mentioned when you were describing your scan that there was a metal on metal. Can you just explain that a little bit? Yes, back um, when I was 60, I had some arthritis in my right hip. And rather than having a hip replacement, I had what's called a metal-on-metal hip resurfacing. Okay, so Uh, that impacted the imaging. That impacted the MRI scan. And Mm -hmm. so the biopsy was taken to really check the right-hand side to make sure that was clear. Mm -hmm. However, when the results came back, they were that there was cancer cells on the left, but it was very low grade. So because there was not the opportunity to have a discussion. I carried up my own internet search and I looked at all options. And at that point I saw HIFU from the focal therapy group. And I thought that looked really promising. I watched some of the videos and I then emailed the focal therapy group for further information. Well, I was quite surprised because that afternoon, Brian Lynch telephoned, really very pleasant gentleman. And he was very reassuring. And he explained the entire role of your group and also what could be achieved not necessarily what could be achieved for me personally but what generally could be achieved Mm. so after a long discussion we agreed that he would pass my details on to a consultant and again surprisingly that evening it was also quick I spoke with Tim Dudgeridge who was the urologist at Southampton Mm. who listened to my story and agreed to take on my case gosh that was a huge relief It, it was Tim was so reassuring and his willingness to investigate was really fantastic 
And so Tim decided he would get the hospital scan results and the biopsy notes from Torbay Hospital. Well, it'd be a couple of weeks later that Tim phoned to say, look, the MRI really isn't of sufficient quality for me to use. And so I agreed with him that he would um, organize a new MRI scan in Southampton and he used a contrasting dye. Mm -hmm. Now, the results of that a few weeks later were a 22 millimeter lesion in the left of my prostate, thankfully contained, I have to say, but very near the edge or mm. fairly near the edge. So prior to that treatment, Tim said, I really want to get some biopsies of that. I can't really trust someone else's biopsies, which I fully accept. So I popped up to Southampton again and he took biopsies, which then showed a rather a different story than just pure low grade. It was Gleason 7 with significant pattern 4 cells, which again said is quite different from the Torbay Hospital's diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And Tim said that I really favoured treatment over active surveillance and wrote a letter to me confirming that and to my doctor. Now, ironically, at that stage, we were then more than three months on from the original hospital diagnosis, so I had the three-month PSA test. My PSA had then risen to 9.2, but still my local hospital found that quite acceptable. No, don't, don't worry at all, which I was quite surprised at. Hmm. So Tim and I discussed treatment, and due to some calcifications within the prostate, which Tim said was pretty, not normal, but it was, it was not unheard of. It was, it, many men have this. HIFU was not really suitable, which I fully understand. And so we opted for cryo Cryotherapy was the best option. Mm -hmm. And also I readily agreed to that. And I'm so grateful to Tim because he moved heaven and earth and that took place on the 21st of December, 2020 at the Spire in Southampton, which was, um, as you can imagine, the pandemic was just starting to really kick off quite badly. The result of that was more than I could ever have hoped for. Tim said that he had managed to ablate the entire tumor and a good margin around it. I was really ecstatic at that result. Mm. Very, very grateful to Tim for his team, for his excellent treatment. And mm -hmm. uh, at this point, I must thank his PA, Kirsten, who was really wonderful at organising all that. Mm, no, that's really, um, really, really good to, to hear. But can I just pick up on a couple of things you've said? I mean, your experience with active surveillance then has, is pretty significant because twice now you were at, at yeah. Torbay, you were actually sort of, you know, officially treated that way. I mean, based on your experience, what would you say to men being offered active surveillance and how, how can they get a better experience that you had, do you think? Can I come back to that point? Mm -hmm. Because I just really want to say that the next day I went home, things were pretty good then, a little bit rough for a week, but after eight to 10 weeks, I found I'd fully recovered. I now feel as well as I, I did in my 50s. Mm. And of course, we've passed the 1st of March when my PSA was taken at not 9 point anything, but 0 0.85. Yeah. So not even one. So Tim was really pleased with that, that uh, result. So that's really my focal therapy experience, which I have to say to this day, I found absolutely exceptional and excellent. Good. So what can we, what can we learn from, from that? And, and back to the active surveillance question. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, of course, it's up to each individual, whether they're happy with active surveillance or not. Uh, most men, I think, just leave it in the hands of their urologist as to what treatment is considered appropriate. But I think I would advise to seek a second opinion, especially if they're concerned. I, I understand that some early interventions or treatments have 
proved now to be unnecessary in the early stages. But in my case, my diagnosis was never discussed with me. Mm. And no treatment other than active surveillance was ever offered, despite numerous emails requesting a consultation to the uh, hospital. Um, It was therefore left up to me to seek a second opinion. And I looked for an alternative treatment to active surveillance, which was supported, thankfully, by my local doctor. I investigated many of these treatments, radiotherapy, brachytherapy, and even complete prostate uh, removal, um, and realized that they're not always appropriate, particularly in low-grade cancer cases. However, Mm -hmm. I realized that these cancers could be treated with local therapy. It appears to be a much less invasive treatment with far fewer side effects, Mm. um, but it seems to be rarely offered. And I do believe that so few people are, in fact, aware of it. So answer to that question, how can men get a better experience? I think my answer would be, look at all the options, including focal therapy, HIFU and cryo. And the beauty I understand of the latter, HIFU and cryo, are, is that they can be repeated at a later date if needed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite interesting, and I think it's a point that all men should consider. I eventually discovered that my tumour was at the front, uh, called the anterior of my prostate. So it was difficult, if not impossible, to detect any organ abnormality through a digital rectal examination. Mm-hmm. So I think my best advice would be analyse what you're told, but always seek a second opinion. Indeed. And in fact, I want to come back to that question about some of the diagnostic procedures. Yeah. But I, I want to pick up on something that we um, had talked about previously when, and what you said just a few minutes ago about um, being offered a full range of treatments, because at one point you had told me that hormone therapy was something that was offered to many men. I think in one of your support groups, you said this was the case and you had some pretty strong yeah. views on that. And I wanted to yeah. just yeah. inquire yeah. about that. And, you know, um, why do you think this is happening and, and what would you say to other men? I suppose I have to say at this point that I don't have a medical background. However, I believe it's a question probably of reduced availability of all of the alternatives in many areas. And let me just say that I joined our local prostate cancer support group. And on our Zoom calls, I've spoken with several members who are a little bit older than me and and who've been on active surveillance for several years. Sadly, they've told me that as their PSA has risen, indicating their prostate could have grown, possibly outside the prostate, it seems that the main treatment option at that stage is hormone therapy Mm. uh, with its horrible side effects. And I believe that this is possibly because it's just too late for other treatments, especially if it is metastasized outside of the prostate, Mm -hmm. uh, those treatments to be effective. And of course, as I said, no other treatment was offered to them, especially for the focal therapies on first diagnosis. It, It seems to me that in many areas of the country, active surveillance is the standard for low-grade prostate cancer as focal treatments are not widely available. So while active surveillance may be effective for those who have life-limiting health issues and are likely to die maybe from a non-cancer-related condition, Mm -hmm. for those men men that are reasonably fit and have an otherwise long life expectancy, active surveillance for the patient with an organ-containing cancer followed by hormone therapy, once that cancer spread, to me, doesn't seem to have the best outcome. So mm-hmm. in summary, my point would be this. Why would any man with a low-grade organ contain cancer run the risk of it spreading while on active surveillance when it could be effectively ablated with focal therapy? Mm, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
for me, it was just a no, it was just an absolute no brainer. So coming back to, to focal therapy, um, I mean, you found that the imaging required to plan and undertake your treatment uh, was mm. considered a poor quality and had to be repeated. So yes. I guess I'm interested in exploring to the, what extent do you think men are aware of, you know, I guess, A, how important the imaging quality and reporting is in their mm. diagnostic and treatment pathway. And I guess, B, um, how, how variable do you think it is across the health system? Right. Yes. Interesting point. Um, I personally doubt whether any patient, unless in the medical profession, would know anything about the equipment or the quality or the reporting on MRI images. I certainly wasn't aware that there was any difference between MRI scanners or even the quality staff reading the scans. However, once I'd spoken with Tim, I realised how shortcomings in my original hospital MRI scan could have affected my diagnosis and the treatment and why it was so important for Tim to repeat my MRI. He actually used a contrasting dye, which I think helped. I confirmed that the quality of the Southampton MRI scan and the expertise of the related staff was absolutely, in my view, pivotal in uh, my final prostate cancer diagnosis and, of course, my eventual focal therapy treatment. Well, we hear that the NHS is a bit of a postcode lottery when it comes to treatment, and certainly in the Southwest, and I think generally in the UK, there, to me, anyway, appear to be too few specialist centres with first-class equipment, and most importantly, experienced staff and consultants who can offer mm -hmm. a full range of treatments to include focal therapy. So the NHS has gone through a terrible time recently, and we must all thank the NHS for their amazing work during COVID. I, I, I can only think that the trauma they've gone through is totally unimaginable really mm -hmm. but just looking to the future this is probably something that's going to be a governmental thing but I believe the goal has to be to build more first-class hospitals equipped with high quality equipment and staff with experienced urologists uh, similar to Tim. I mean I'm sure other people would share that view um, and um, before we finish there, there's one other issue that um, I just want to touch on you know because several aspects of your experience suggest that your age might have been a somewhat limiting yeah. factor in discussions around treatment options and I mean I just really would like to know if you feel this this is the case and do you think that there is any form of age discrimination in parts of the health service that men should be aware of? That is a very difficult question to answer with any certainty however mm -hmm. I do feel age was a factor in my case. As I've said, I do understand the constraints that COVID has placed on the NHS, which may also be a factor because as a pretty fit and healthy 75-year-old man, I was only offered active surveillance. And despite repeated written requests over seven months asking for a meeting to discuss all other options, I still not received a reply. So Really? Really? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I haven't. So... Talking about the age discrimination factor, um, again, that's, that's difficult. But from my legal background, look, the Equality Act 2010 explicitly bans discrimination based on age. And that's mm -hmm. the first thing. Mm -hmm. The NHS Constitution agrees a comprehensive service to all, irrespective of age. But maybe the section that states access to treatment is based only on clinical need could be taken to imply there is less clinical need to give certain cancer treatments to say, an 80 plus year old man with other life threatening health issues, as opposed to an otherwise healthy and fit 70 year old mm -hmm. who only has a contained low grade prostate cancer. It's very clear the NHS is totally underfunded. And now the constraints of COVID and obviously the vaccine programme 
are probably a factor in patients not being given information about the full range of treatment options. But the reason I really felt my age was against me was when I was advised of my biopsy results. The conversation went a little bit like this. The consultant rang with a biopsy and said, ah, good news, Mr. Clay, no concerns. However, we have found just a couple of low-grade cancer cells, but nothing to worry about. We believe half the men over 75 have these low-grade prostate cancers, never know anything about it and never die from it. So we'll pop you on active surveillance because it's unlikely you'll die from prostate cancers. You'll be more likely to die from something else at your age. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Well, you can imagine I was pretty shocked at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like having a ticking time bomb inside me. Um, mm-hmm. You don't know if or when it's going to develop. And that makes future planning. If you want to go on holidays and do things with the children and grandchildren, it makes life very difficult. Of course. And I do think that my generation probably has a life expectancy now well past 80. Mm-hmm. And the best treatments to enrich the remaining years of our lives, which mm-hmm. is why I believe withholding information about the different options is a form of age discrimination, although probably not intended. Mm-hmm. And that's why I believe that focal therapies like Haifu and cryotherapy should be available and an option for all because their minimal invasiveness um, and I understand they can be repeated should um, be an absolute need for everyone to know about. Well, Michael, I really appreciate your comments. I think our listeners will will find them extremely helpful as well. And I want to thank you so much for speaking so openly and so honest uh, with with me today. It's been a real pleasure. No, it's it's a pleasure to... um, I've been able to have told you what's happened to me and I hope things will continue as uh, they seem to be going really well. But I think the work that the focal therapy group and all the staff and the consultants have done is absolutely amazing. And I just hope that that will now grow and become the gold standard rather than active surveillance. Mm-hmm. And good luck to you too. Um, and enjoy, enjoy the summer with your family after all of this. Thank you very much. Thank you indeed. Further information on alternatives to active surveillance is available on our website, along with a transcript of this interview and additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.